Hi, everybody. This is Elaine S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I want to welcome you on behalf of Overeaters Anonymous Channel Island Intergroup. I invite you to join us as we immerse ourselves in the spirit of step three. Susan, Susan will share her experience, strength, and hope on this vitally important step. Before we welcome Susan, please join me in the set aside prayer, which you can find in the, in the chat. If everybody can go to the chat, you will see the set aside prayer that's there. God, please God, help me, help me set, aside set aside everything I think I know about myself, my brokenness, the 12 steps and you for an open mind and a new experience of myself, my brokenness, the 12 steps, and especially you. Especially you, God. So, and um, yes. And now we welcome Susan, a longtime recovered compulsive overeater from Santa Barbara, California, and the Central um, Cent <laughs> Channel Island Intergroup um, new chairperson. Thank you, Elaine. Hi, Susan. Hi, everyone. Uh, so nice to see you all. I'm so happy you're here, even though we're having technical difficulties. Uh, it shows your wherewithal. And, um, you know, we all need that. Uh, we all need that in order to live life on life's terms. Um, a little bit about myself. I've been in OA for about 13 years, and I was um, really fortunate to know that my, what, my first trigger food was sugar. And the next day I declared abstinence on sugar and was abstinent. I've been abstinent um, and had no sugar by the grace of God for 13 plus years. Um, and that's just an incredible miracle if you knew me. Uh, I ate, um, I, I was way beyond a heart eater. I mean, I, I really should have weighed about 400 pounds because of the food I ate. And I was just very lucky that I had a good metabolism and just was slightly obese. Um, but I, I, one, I knew that it wasn't that I ate sugar all day, but once I ate sugar, I was off to the races and I'd be continuously hungry all day. And I did all sorts of things. I mean, in, in the, uh, OA 12 and 12, you know, it has that whole list of things that we've done and I've pretty much done all of those. And, um, I knew I was getting close to rock bottom when I had my third child who was a toddler on my hip and I was in the post office getting illegal uh, horse asthma medicine uh, from China and delivered to me. And I thought, you know, I think this is a federal offense and I could go to jail. And I still went through with it because I was desperate. I was just desperate. Um, food had become my master. And I knew, I knew of um, OA because my cousins were big in AA. So I thought, what the hell? I'll go. And immediately on my first meeting, I felt like I was home. You all were saying what was in my head and nobody had ever done that. I had, you know, this was my secret shame. I was uniquely broken because nobody ate like I did. Nobody misbehaved with food like I did in my family. And um, it was, I came in and got a sponsor after a few months and started working the steps. But as much as I felt like, okay, I'm home, you know, I, I, I identify 
when I heard about the steps, I thought, there's no way I'm doing that. First of all, I was one of those crazy people who just was had this insane, foolish pride. Um, I hated everybody, but I hated myself most. And I had this, I was just so ashamed of, of everything in my life. And so, but the other part about it was I was never going to, first of all, admit my wrongdoings and then apologize for them. That just wasn't going to happen. And so, um, but I, but I was willing because I, my life was completely unmanageable. I was um, very overweight and I had three adorable children and a wonderful husband and none of it mattered because all I could think about was my weight, my body, food, dieting, exercise, anything related to food. And um, I was either in the food and just, you know, intoxicated and then falling down and, um, you know, getting up the next day with, okay, I'm going to do it this time. Or I was on the next diet, ergo the horse medicine, the horse asthma medicine, which was supposed to make, it made all those starlets really thin. So I thought, this is the answer. And, um, you know, I did every fad, every diet, and I was high and intoxicated off that. And I was so not present for my children. It, it's just when I look back on it, I, I see that it, for a while I was sadness and regret. And now it's, um, I, I, I'm, I feel um, it, was, it was a part of who I was. And I, I don't have morbid reflection any, of it anymore. And I see it as, as the vast repertoire of my disease and how I got to that apex um, of the disease, which was really the abyss of my life. And um, so I went in and started, I got a sponsor and I started doing the steps. And first of all, I thought, well, food is my only problem. I'm heavy and I want to eat all the time. So that's my only problem. And how does that hurt anyone? So it was only through, you know, getting abstinent, working the steps that I saw, oh, okay, food is just, it was actually the solution to my problem, which was my reaction to people, places, things, and situations. That was my real problem. So um, once I had completed step one, I was ready for step two. And step two came to believe that a power greater than myself um, I, I knew I part of my problem. I knew I was ready for this when I saw Oprah and Oprah, you know, with her up and down and she's thin and, and then she was heavy. And I thought if she with all the resources in the world can't control her food, who the hell am I to think I can? So I, I knew that there was no no human power that could help me with this. Cause I tried, I tried the weigh and pays. I had tried the drugs. I had tried illicit drugs, legal drugs, everything, nothing had worked. So I was really willing to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. It took a while because the God of my understanding from my childhood is not my higher power today. That is not my higher power. And so I had to sort of formulate and my, my higher power, who I'm going to uh, refer to as God for in the big book, 
God is called God and, you know, creator and, and father, there's a lot, but so I hope I'm not offending anyone, but to me, um, my higher power is God. So, um, so I, I, my, my, um, perception of God has evolved, um, even in recovery, it has evolved because my program has evolved because my disease is evolving. It's right there in the, the sidelines, just waiting. And it's so cunning and baffling and it wants to insinuate itself in different ways. So I really um, have to employ my higher power and make that decision. And that's where we come to step three. Now, some people think that step three is like when you work the steps, you do step three. For me, I have to do the steps every day. And um, I, you know, it wakes, I do it as soon as I wake up, I, I say my prayers and acknowledge that I'm a compulsive overeater. I am um, an addict in nature and I'm powerless over people, places, things, and situations and food. And um, then I, you know, come to believe that there is a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. And then I take my third step by saying the third step prayer. I also do, um, I'm a control freak and I'll talk about that later. Um, so I, I do in part of my, my morning routine, um, I pray and meditate and I write out things that are coming to me. And then I um, will do my list of the outline of my day, but then I have to leave that the results up to God. So I'm going to talk about that for a while. The, this, the 12 steps, we are doing the work and then leaving the results up to God. I, I'm not saying, you know, God, can you pay my mortgage? You know, that it, that's not going to work, but God by taking the third step gives me the strength and the resources I need so that I can do the things I need to do, which is God's will. And that's what keeps me abstinent. Every day I have a respite from compulsive overeating from this crazy head. If I employ my faith in God and work the steps every day. Now um, there's well, okay, let me just jump in and I'll, I'll chit chat as I go. Okay, so I'm going to go to uh, page 60 and where it says our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas that we were alcoholic and could not match our own life, cannot manage our own lives. That's step one. Uh, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. That's clearly step two. And step three is C, that God could and would if he were sought. So step three is an action. I am seeking God. I'm asking him to help me do his will, not help me to eat what I want and stay thin, not help me to pay less in taxes or help me. And it, all that happens. You know, good things happen to me, but not necessarily what I want. My will is what I want. God provides what I need. And that's sometimes there's the, the painful part is in between what I want and what I need. Okay, so um, 
so where it says our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, uh, our description of the alcoholic is um, the doctor's opinion. That's where we learn. And then um, in Bill's story, we identify, you know, do we think how he thinks? Do we, did we do the things that he did? I mean, even though it's, it's, you know, dated because I mean, he was in world war one, you know, you still see that ego. And I remember the first time I read that, I couldn't believe the ego of that guy, you know, the delusions of grandeur, dude, it was exactly the same with me when I'm going to work the steps. I'm going to work them the best that anybody can, you know, just it's that ego. There's still uh, the shred of ego. So um, I do identify with Bill in Bill's story. And, and in Bill's story, you also see the progression of the illness. So all these, these chapters are getting us ready. You know, it's showing us, yes, you know, here's this, this disease and it is progressive. Then in um, there's a solution. We learn, you know, the different types and how we, they talk about, are you a hard eater, a hard drinker or the moderate drinker? Or so we kind of can qualify, well, you know, we see, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm a hard eater, but you know, if you're, if you're a hard eater and nothing more, you don't have the mental twist, then those diets work for you. And OA, you don't need OA. But for those of us like, like me, you know, it's, it's the twofold illness. It's the obsession of the, there's the craving of the, the phenomenon of craving, the allergy of the body, and then that phenomenon of um, the mental twist. So if the allergy is removed and that's it, you've got it for the rest of your life, fine. But it's, you know that you're an alcoholic or compulsive overeater when there's the mental twist. And, you know, there's the example given about the guy who goes 25 years and, you know, doesn't touch a drop and then goes into retirement and out comes the bottle and the carpet slippers and he's off. And four years later, he's dead because he had that, that mental twist. Maybe now I can handle it, you know, and it would be that in my disease, maybe now I can have handle it. And the, the, the bargaining and well, if I, if I don't eat for three days, then I'm okay if I eat, you know, just one bag of candy that day. So there's just, there's definite the mental twist. And, um, so you, you, we hear about that in um, there's a solution. And they also talk about like you, they talk about the people who um, the, the guy with the whiskey, I mean, he was sober. If being sober, abstinent forever, the, we don't live in a vacuum. We have to deal with life on life's terms. So we can't stay abstinent without working the steps. He couldn't stay at, um, sober at, without working the steps. And so, you know, whiskey, it was, we get these crazy ideas and that's the mental twist. It's a delusion. It's not, it's not sane. Um, and then, so that's the step one. And then we agnostics talks about um, needing a power and it's not saying you have to, um, you know, believe in this God. It's saying, don't you believe, you know, with all these facts we have, can't you just set aside what you think you know about that and just entertain that maybe there is a power greater than yourself. So, um, yes, so that is we agnostics. And so then, um, back to page 60. So we've gotten to that and now 
we we're at step three. Being convinced we were at step three, which is that we decide to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that? And just just what do we do? The first requirement. So when it says requirement, there's something required of you. That's where I said this is an action step because it's asking you to do something. So our first requirement is that we begin, we be convinced that a life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Well, when I look back and I could only do this when I was abstinent and had some clarity and I could look back and well, when I was a control freak, it was just because I wanted things to go well. I didn't, you know, it wasn't me being bossy or running the show. It's I just wanted to be nice. But was it really about me just wanting to be nice or is it about me wanting to feel better? I want to feel better. And the way I'm going to feel better is if I manipulate things so that they go my way. That is self-seeking and it's dishonest. And so that definitely is not a success. My self-will. And then the other part is that, um, well, let me get back to this. So each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet. Do you notice that the actor is trying to arrange all this stuff? The actor is not supposed to. The director is supposed to. So here's this actor elbowing himself in. I mean, how perfect is that? That's totally me. I mean, okay, well, let me just, you know, let's, here comes Susan to save the day again, you know? So um, I just love that. So if, if, let's see, if any, if his arrangements would only stay put, if other people would do as he wished. And that was my whole life. If only I was thin, if only I had a really good job, if only I had the best degrees, then I would be happy then I would get the perfect husband. Then I would live in the perfect house. You know, if only I was a stay-at-home mom, then my kids would be perfect and not flawed. So there was always the if, if, if only. Just, just pay attention to me, go by what I say, and it'll all work out. And that's just such a load of, of crock. This was all me running the show. Here's this actor elbowing himself in. Okay. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, dishonest. Well, and if I could look back, well, my motives were good. I wanted it to be a, a nice party. I wanted it to go well. But the motives are my self-seeking. And self-seeking is a two, it's a two-faced coin. There's the evil, you know, evil bitchy person. And there's also the person that just wants it to be nice. And that's just a, another load of crock. It's just me trying to be in charge because if I'm in charge, I feel better. So um, let's see. And then it even says, but with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. So it does. I mean, it's, you know, most people are, aren't just the, the bitch on wheels. I mean, we're both. We can be very kind and loving and we can also be um, very virtuous and polite in insinuating and getting our way. Or we can be, you know, a bitch on wheels. But either way, it's just it's still self-involvement. What usually happens? A show doesn't come off very well. 
he begins to think that life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. I can be as nice as I want if I'm still bossing you around and manipulating you. I'm still self-involved and self-seeking. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, what is his basic trouble? Is he, is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of the world if only he manages well? And like I said before, if only I get thin, if only I can you know, have this great job, if only my marriage is perfect, all these things that are just unrealistic. But in my finite opinion, that's what's going to bring me happy. That's how I'm going to wrest satisfaction out of life. Our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He is like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. Um, let's see. Or the po politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave. The outlaw safe cracker, which is kind of doesn't make sense anymore, really, who thinks society has wronged him. And these are all rational, we're rationalizing, which is a rational lie. It's a lie we tell ourselves so that we get what we want when we want it. If I want to have a skewed vision of things so that I can have a certain outcome in my reaction to things, then I'm going to tell myself a, a dialogue. I'm going to say, rational lies. I'm going to rationalize something so that I can get what I want when I want it. Whatever our protestations are, protestations are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentment, or our self-pity, selfishness, self-centeredness. That we think is the root of our troubles. Well, thank God. Thank God it's us that's the problem and not everybody else because we don't have control over everybody else. As much as we think we do and we want, we really don't. All we can do is change us and who we are. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. So here they're mentioning self-pity, self-seeking, self-delusion. They're getting us ready already for step four. They're bringing those terms in so that we see how flawed we are. We see the, the nature of our dis-ease. So because if you came in and someone said, you got to do step four right away, you'd buy, you, know, you just wouldn't do it. So that's this, um, the steps are really a serpentine chain. Step one gets you for, ready for step two, step two, step three. So in step three, you know, they're using the terms that we'll hear in step four. Um, sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation. These are the others that are not responsible for our dis-ease. Sometimes, let's see, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we've made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. Nine and 9.999 times out of 10, it is me, it is I who have put, placed myself in the position to be hurt, to be disappointed. It's my expectations 
um, only my, ch- you know, my children, if only they, you know, wouldn't do these things or they loved me enough, or if only my husband paid more attention to me. And I heard in a meeting years and years ago, and I say it every day, only God is going to love me enough for me because everybody else will disappoint me. Everybody else will disappoint this. So only God is going to love me enough for me. So thank goodness I get to surrender my will in my life to this person who loves me more than anyone else in this world. Okay, so um, so our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. No duh. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot. Self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Mm-hmm. See, and that's now um, that, that we work the steps regularly and do an 11th and a 10th, we see our part so much more. And I, I, I know when I'm at fault and when it's my part, but just coming in, you don't know. And so, and still some things will come up and I'll be mad and I have to talk it over with my sponsor. And as I am, I'm going, Oh yeah. Okay. I see my part. Absolutely. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. That's pretty dramatic because it is really dramatic. If we continue this way, we'll we'll die. It's that simple. Whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, whatever, it's destructive and it's progressive and it will kill us. God makes that possible. And there are often... There often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. So there's the other thing is that we can't get rid of self. We can smash self by doing um, inventories and self-appraisal and really digging deep. But then we need God to discipline us and to, to, to make right and to help us through the rest of the the steps and that's the thing if we were just to do one two and three we wouldn't we would never keep our our abstinence we just wouldn't they i've heard it called the the waltz the one two three one two three one two three if you're not getting to the crux of the problem and doing four five you know four through twelve regularly it's going to fester and stagnate. So one, two, three is not enough. It's good for a waltz, but that's about it. Um, Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we would have liked to. So I have been in many meetings and there have been, you know, um, priests, a lot of priests and some nuns in there. And they've said, you know, this is what keeps me sober or abstinent. The God that, that helps me in my day-to-day life is, is the one that keeps me sober. It's only through that God. And, and some people have different gods of their understanding for their different isms. I know many people who are alcoholics and have a different God for, um, of their understanding for their OA. So, um, I, by the grace of God only have this problem and it's a doozy. Um, okay. We had to have God's help. This is the how and the why of it. 
First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. So they're, he, they're giving us a whole bunch of different relationships. The principal and the agent, the um, actor and the director, father and child. There's others you could use. And we'll go through that later when we do a little bit of toiling. Um, but so the big thing is that we have to quit playing God. It didn't work. Okay. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. A new employer being all powerful. He provided what we needed, not what we wanted, what we needed. If we kept him close, if we kept close to him and performed his work well, if we half ass it, it's that's half measures, they'll avail us nothing. If we performed his work and did it well. So is we will learn what God's work, what the work is. And that is work, working steps four through 12. God's will isn't, you know, preaching some gospel necessarily in this program, it's working the steps. That is God's will because we get out of our, then we get out of ourself and we help others. All those alcoholics of in these books that were in this book that were successful helped others. We who have um, any abstinence, what do we do? We help others. We're here uh, sponsoring, we um, lead workshops, not so well, but <laughs> with technical difficulties, but we're of service. And I don't do this to make myself feel better. Although it does make me feel better, I do it to be abstinent. And in my abstinence, I do feel better, but I do it now because I want to do God's will. It's a bigger thing. And I don't do it before I might give to charity and I certainly would broadcast it. Now I, 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 I do things and I do it quietly because I think it's the right thing. Um, that's God's will, getting out of ourself, doing things for others. So, okay. Um, more and more. Let's see. Work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. How often did I have my little plans and designs? It was if, you know, I'll do this and then I, I'll be able to eat this food. If I, um, you know, uh, exer overexercise for two hours that I can overeat for an hour, you know, just these plans and designs or even manipulation you know, um, that's a plan and a design. There's different types, but it's all the same. It's Susan's self run riot. Self will run riot. Okay. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or hereafter. We were reborn. We were now 
And I like to liken that to like molding of clay and the, the smashing of self is sort of like um, molding of clay or there's also that assemblage where you, you break um, like pottery and then you, you make a mosaic of it. You're taking something that's broken and rebuilding it into something else, repurposing it. And that's what my life has been. I have repurposed it into um, being an agent for God. He is my principle. I do God's will in every respect, not just in OA. I do it in, in, in all aspects of my life. And I am reborn. I do, I have peace of mind now. And when I start to feel petty, back, I've, I've got to look at that again. I've got to look. If, if I'm off kilter, the dis-ease is coming in right back to step one. And I do the steps regularly because I've got to keep honing it, keeping it clear, keeping it. If um, I've, I, I think I already shared this, that like, if I'm fixating on something, worrying about something, maybe, you know, I'm having trouble with step two. I'm not giving this over to God. I'm, I'm, you know, am I willing to have God as my, my infinite power in everything? Or do I want him to just take care of the eating and stay out of my finances? Do I want him to fix all the, the problems with my kids, but let me, you know, still boss them around. So it, it, it there's, I've had to enter God into everything every avenue of my life. And guess what? It's so much better. It's so much better, but it has to be a daily thing. If I don't let God in first thing in the morning, then this gets going. And that's, that's not a good place to be. So, okay. Um, men, we were now at step three. So we've arrived here. Once we've seen that uh, left to our, our own devices, we're basically a shit show, pardon my expression. Uh, we're now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. So not to build with me and let me who I want to be. Let me be who you want me to be. So if, if I ask God to change me to who I want me to be, I'm self-seeking. I'm still in self. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. The bondage of self isn't just my self-involvement. It's my self-loathing. It's my self-obsession. It's, it's the good and the bad that are ego, 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 foolish pride, all of it. Um, so that I can do your will. If I'm broken down and I'm not thinking of me, I'm thinking of God. I feel God infused in me and I want to do God's will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power. So not take away my difficulties so I can be who I want to be. Take away my difficulties so that I feel better. Take away my difficulties so I can help you, God, do your will. Thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Please let me do this forever. And I do want to do it forever. 
we thought well before making this, taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Again, very dramatic. I mean, this isn't something to take lightly. This isn't, like I said, well, you know, I'll give you this, but I'm going to keep that, you know, or, or, um, you know, uh, I'll do this during the week, but then on the weekends, I want my cheat days where I'm off, you know, as though my disease ever takes a day off. It doesn't. So um, we found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person, such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor. And um, I, I did it with my sponsor on my knees and um, Joe and Charlie, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you know, Joe and Charlie, they were AA speakers and they were really, really funny too. And they would talk about how um, some people get, um, are sort of humiliated or embarrassed to have people see them on their knees. And they said, when you were an alcoholic and you were barfing into the toilet, you weren't embarrassed to have your mate see that, but you're embarrassed to, to get on your knees in front of them. And um, I do my praying alone in the morning on my knees and my family walks in and they're really oh, quiet. They back away. It, it, it's nice that they get to see that my recovery and they respect it enough um, that they let me have that time. So uh, let's see, but it better, uh, but it is better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. The wording was of course, quite optional. So long as we express the idea of voicing out without reservation, again, you can't half-ass this. You got to throw yourself into this. It's all or nothing. Remember God, you have to accept God as being everything or nothing. This was only a beginning though, if honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very great one was felt at once. So it is just a beginning. But you will sometimes feel a relief. A lot of people don't at first, and that's okay. You still have a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. This is just the beginning. But how great that you don't have to do this alone. I mean, for years, I was alone out there trying to find the next best diet or just God, please, and saying, God, but just please don't let me eat this way tomorrow. You know, tomorrow's another day. Let me get through this. And now I don't have to do that anymore. Next, we launched out on a, and I'm, that's kind of um, the end, but I'm still going to do this next part. Next, we launched out on a course of vigor, vigorous action. The first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Though our decision was a vital and crucial step. It could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. So what it's saying is, this is great. And, you know, in going through step three, Joe and Charlie have super long podcast or not podcast, but recordings of each step. And the step three one isn't very long because it's really concise. God is everything or it's nothing. And um, it, once you've done this, okay, now you're ready to pull your uh, sleeves up to your ankles and get in there and, and be rigorously honest. Um, so that's that. Um, Rhiannon, can you share the other, the 
sheet now? I sure can. Hold on. Let me just pull it up. Thank you. So um, I'm involved in a Herb K workshop. It's not with Herb K. We're listening. A group of us are listening and um, doing the writing. And, and Herb K is just incredible. If you're not familiar, I urge you to to um, he has podcast. You can uh, download that. And he has many, many books and lots of, of worksheets and everything. And he's just incredible. He's so loving and warm. I'm going to tell you right now, put, if you listen to him on the podcast, make sure you put it one and a half because he's really slow and he's really pensive and he's wonderful. But sometimes if you listen to him at one and a half, it's like at the normal speed. So Okay, so um, I stole this from Herb K, and these are just some step three reflection questions, and I thought we'd kind of go um, through that. So um, what I'd like to do is, uh, if you want to have paper and pen, and 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 we'll go through a question, and then uh, I really do want to hear with from you all because I want this to be, you know, a, a real workshop where we're all. Um, talking and, and learning from one another. So um, it's a step three reflections after prayerful consideration, write out answers to the following questions. Okay, number one, am I really convinced that my life run on self-will can hardly be a success? So um, maybe you guys wanna answer that first. Am I really convinced that my life run on self-will can hardly be a success? Maybe, you know, you're a party planner and you're really good at what you do. And, um, or, you know, you're needling your children, but yeah, you know, you have good kids and, you know, maybe you don't think that. So am I really convinced that my life run on self-will can hardly be a success? Should I give you guys a couple of minutes? What do you think? And um, I, <clears throat> I guess people just raise their hands or unmute if you want to answer the question. Hi, this is Elaine, a compulsive overeater recovered by the grace of God. Hey, and, Elaine. Um, yes, I'm, I'm really convinced that my life run on self-will can hardly be a success because every single time that I try to run the show, it's a disaster. And what I've learned is I have to be collaborative. It's a miracle to me that I'm still married <laughs> this wonderful man because I was so controlling. And when I made amends to him, he didn't believe me at first and that was okay, but he's learned. And it's uh, because uh, I, I have to let, I have to pause throughout the day and I have to let God direct me. And guess what? God directs me. God shows me the next right thing to do. And it's, it's just amazing. And I'm very grateful. Thank you. With that, I pass. Thanks, Elaine. My name is Stephanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater bulimic. Yay, it's great to be here. Thank you so much, Susan. Um, that's um, your, your lead so far has really stirred up um, 
some good things about my countless vain attempts <laughs> to control you, to control my food, control my life and, and um, all situations, like you had said. And, you know, my decision in step three um, came after a long string of, you know, binging on um, and relapsing. And, um, and now, you know, I tried countless countless vain attempts to run the show. I tried to eat it, steal it, bury it, binge on it. And none of that, none of that brought me the relief that I have found through um, this decision to take up my bed and walk again, um, which is uh, one of the binges that I would partake in thinking I was abstinent when I was actually in my bed with my iPad binge watching um, episode after episode of whatever the newest, latest, grossest, most, you know, um, uh, gory show was. And, um, and so this step, this, um, those countless vain attempts, I had to, I had to abstain from those and turn totally to God with, with complete abandon because man, I, I was really mangled, right. Um, when I got here and, and even in, even in abstinence, even having, you know, um, short-term abstinence, um, I was still, running the show in one form or the other. So it's been, it's been really amazing to completely give myself to this simple program. And uh, it's, been, um, it's been quite an adventure, a personal adventure <laughs> before and after. So um, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Susan. That's a great question. Thank you, Stephanie. Oh, you didn't steal anything. You didn't steal anything either. You borrowed it. I borrowed it. <laughs> Courtesy of Herb K. Anybody else? Yeah, I'm Luann, compulsive overeater. Um, thank you, Susan. That was a, a wonderful share. I really appreciate your uh, service. Um, and I am familiar with Herb K. I am um, in the process of doing his year-long workshop right now through the downloads and his workbook. And uh, Man, he knows how to really screw with your mind or screw with my mind, anyhow. <laughs> but, you know, um, and I'm just starting on step three. So this is why I, uh, you know, joined your, uh, this workshop. And I didn't realize it that, you know, that Herb K, uh, that you had followed Herb K or anything. So it's kind of cool. Um, but, you know, when, when I look at the bedevilments, when, um, that that's where all my troubles start and it's funny when I was going through them and looking at I was having it's on page 52 you know having trouble with my personal relationships that's what drove me to OA I was having trouble with all my relationships mostly with my mom and she disinherited me and all I could do was eat because I was so sad and so upset about it and I could not so that's the first development and then I couldn't control my emotional natures I, I couldn't it doesn't matter how much what I did or didn't do how much I ate or how much I exercised or how much I yeah, it didn't matter I couldn't control that emotional nature of being hurt and and my relationships um and uh then the next one is that you know I was prayed in misery and depression well yeah I because that that wasn't you know, I was depressed because I couldn't control my emotions. And then my relationships were so poor in this disarray. 
Uh, and then, you know, I couldn't make a living and I had feelings of hopelessness. So, you know, I look at these bedevilments and they cascade down to the, the most uh, minute thing that, that really affected me is that I couldn't be a real help to others. And that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a real help of others, but I was full of fear. I was unhappy. I, you know, I was depressed. I was miserable. I couldn't control my, my emotional nature. I couldn't have healthy, loving relationships. All I can do was eat. And when I, when I did the writing on the bedevilments and realized how this is just a cascade of, uh, um, of unmanageability, I had, I had to, I was convinced I am, I, I, I am powerless over my food and my body's response to food, you know, with, uh, with my trigger foods, I am powerless over my, my mental twist and my uh, genetically uh, innate anxiety and obsession. And I am powerless over my human will, who will always want to choose the first two. I always will want to choose food. I always want to choose my obsessions because that's the easier, softer way. But so I don't want that anymore. So I, I want a higher power that I can trust and that can help me live this life the way I want to live it the best I can my way didn't work so I have no other choice I have to have a higher power that I can lean on and I love what you said God is the only one who's going to love me as much as I need as much love as I need no one else can do that only only my higher power can uh, thank you for letting me share thank you Luann hi else? Susan hi Susan it's Natalie hi Natalie uh, uh, I would like to share, um, I definitely am convinced that a life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And the, the quote in the big book, I'm looking at my computer now, which is why I'm not looking at the camera, that from what you read today is, is he not, and I read it, I like how Herb asks us to read some of this in the first person, am I not, even in my best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? And oh my that's just so true. Um, and for me, the idea of self-will is it's not so much that I actually have a will that has any real power. I just think I do. And when I get into that space of like, well, I have the power to do this and I'm going to do it my way. And this can all be really self, you know, unconscious, but I think I'm, you know, I'm going to come in and take control. And it's like, well, that's not, boy, do I, I just mess stuff up. And when I can go, wait a minute, for me, it looks like impulsivity and jumping on things and thinking that I, you know, I have these skills, so I must know how to do it better than other people. And, and impatience, I can't wait for things to just work themselves out, right? Like, I believe my timing is better. We have to take care of it now, you know, and I, I jump in and I see it in my relationship with my husband. I'll assume something or I'll try to do something. He's not even, he's not even close to talking about what I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm right in there. And um, so 
I don't beat myself up anymore for that kind of stuff because it doesn't do any good. I, I can't help this. This is part of my disease. I, I have this, it's my one of my defects of character. Um, so then I can go to my higher power and say, and, and this is why I'm convinced. It's like, I try to fix stuff when I can leave it go and go to my higher power. Okay, God, I don't know what to do. I throw it in a God box or I just let it go. I'll be patient. I'll wait. I try to act against my nature. Boy, oh boy, does it work out so much better. Like I don't have, to, I didn't even have to do anything. I didn't even have to do anything. A lot of times the thing I had to do was just wait. So yeah. So that's all I wanted to share. Thank you, honey. And you're doing a great job. Thanks, Natalie. Does anybody else want to share? All right, let's go on to number two. Number two, what relationship do I want with this higher power? So they talked about the father and the child or the agent and the principal, the employee and the employer, the actor and the director, the cre creature and the maker or the sculpture and the maker. So, um, you know, I, I know that like, the father and the child, I didn't have a father growing up. So I didn't even know what that was. I have a good relationship with my father now. And um, just as an aside, as on Friday night, when I was um, kind of plotting out what I was going to, to do for this, I got a call from my stepmother that my father's cancer has returned. And so he has to have surgery. And I thought, Oh my God. And, and I could have gone into, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? What? No, it's, there's nothing for me to do except for pray. And, and I said, is there anything I can do for you? And when can I talk to him? And, um, and so now we have a good relationship, but so at first though, when I first came into program, I didn't have a relationship with him. And so this wouldn't work the father and the child. And so something else would be, would work for me. So um, what works for you? So think about it and then we can share. You can just give me a thumbs up when you're ready and we'll go. Just why, what type of relationship do you want with your higher power and why? Why does that work for you? Carla. Hi, I'm Carla. I'm new with this. Um, I can you still hear me? Yeah, go for it. Carla, now you're muted. I'm in another 12-step program, and I've realized what God has done for me there. And I realized that I need to go further on. But as far as this question, 
I want to be him to be the sculpture and for him to mold me into the child of God he has planned for me. Unfortunately, I didn't have the healthiest relationships with my parents. And I accept that they did what they, they, they did the best they could, but we just never had that relationship. And that's okay. Today I can accept it, but I want to, I'm completely depleted. I'm sick and tired of being fat. I don't like the way I feel. And I know that working this other 12 step program, how it has lifted me up. And I want to, I am choosing to follow God. And I, like I said, I want him to mold me into his child and him to be my sculptor. And I guess my father, thank you. Thank you, Carla. Welcome. Eileen. Thank you. Hi, I'm Eileen, compulsive of reader vomiter. And, um, you know, I didn't, I too didn't have the best parents. I don't think any of us really had the model parents or else we wouldn't be here. Um, but for me, it's, it's mother, father, God, you know, I mean, for me, sometimes God is a female and sometimes God is a male. And sometimes it's Glenda the, from the Wizard of Oz. That was my very first, when I first came into program 30 years ago, they said we could have a God of our understanding. You know, you could make it whatever it was that would work for you personally. And um, because I was brought up um, with a religion that didn't seem <clears throat> to have a loving, loving, gentle, nurturing kind of God. So to me, Glenda was perfect. I mean, it just it was so peaceful and I could just get in the bubble and, and feel protected. And, and then sometimes I'll have visuals of, you know, sitting in this being's lap and, you know, and being nurtured. Um, so it changes for me, but I think it's, it's like the mother father kind of concept. Um, it's something obviously bigger than me that has, that's way more powerful than me. Um, and it's somebody, I just want to be able to talk to him like, I'm talking to you guys, you know, that's, and I do get on my knees and I do pray and I, you know, put a lot of people on my prayer list and, um, but it's, it's more of a gentle, you know, loving God. And, and almost to the first question, I know, you know, my life on my own, <clears throat> you know, I used to think that if I controlled everything, that it would be okay. And, and the best parts of my life are when I was at that desperate feeling like I couldn't make one more move and said, God, take this was when things started changing. And when I could say your will, not mine. And, you know, what is it you want me to do? And listening to the voice <clears throat> that the, not the disease voice, <clears throat> but the loving voice that comes inside of me and says, call so-and-so or go this way or do this. That's you know, that's the type of relationship I want to be able to hear that. And um, sometimes I have to shut up to be able to hear it. So with that, I'll pass. <laughs> Thank you, Eileen. I think Jody wants to share. Looks like Judy, Jody's got her hand up. Okay, Jody, tell me about your relationship with your higher power. 
Hi, I'm Jody. I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm relatively new to OA. Um, well, Eileen Share gave me the courage to speak about what I am identifying right now in my journey as my higher power. And what I want from my higher power is I want, it's my higher power is like a deep body of wisdom that encompasses all of the mentors, caretakers and messengers that I have encountered upon my path where I knew that the love was very sacred and that they brought out my best self developmentally. So I carry that wisdom inside of me and only through abstinence have I had glimpses. And I think maturity, you know, when you're young, you might be banging your head against the wall, but you just don't have the maturity to see it all. I think time tempers things and has made me, given me more of an ability to see, number one, how powerless I really am with my self-will. And number two, know when I'm being conned and when something feels authentic and genuine and sacred. So what I'm finding now, I don't believe in a traditional God, certainly not a male one, but what I do believe in that sacred body of messages that some of them I'm aware of and some of them just become more revealed to me, but they reveal themselves in, in me being able to see who I truly am in this world. And they bring out my best self. And what I'm finding in the program is there are a lot of messengers that are instruments of God and a lot of love and a lot of care and a lot of courage um, so that, that this body of humanity in action is my God. So anyway, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Jody. Thank you. Would anyone else like to share on number two? I can't see hands, so just unmute yourself and start talking. I don't see anybody, Susan. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, so we can go on to number three then. Am I willing to make a decision to turn my life, what I have, and my will, what I want, over to the care of God? And if you're not, in what aspect do you think you hold back? Like I said earlier, um, before it was, I, you know, I wanted to be able to control the relationships with my family. I wanted to be able to, you know, uh, control the outcomes of my finances. And so I wasn't willing to turn everything over to God and to say, okay, let me do your will, God, because in letting me do God's will, I relinquish the reins and then I do the work and I leave the results up to God, but maybe some of you aren't willing. And, and, you know, like I said, it's a daily effort. Sometimes many, many times a day, I will get on my knees in the bathroom at work and uh, ask God to relieve me about an obsession that, you know, 
please help me and I'm turning this over to you. I'm, I'm fearful about this or that. And I have to do this sometimes many times a day. Um, so what are you willing to turn your life and your will over to God? So let somebody share anyone. Hi, I'm Jocelyn, compulsive web reader. And uh, my answer is yes, exclamation. And then in parentheses, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes. So that's my day. And um, that it is, it is both tragic and um, makes me sad. And it also is where I have my hope because I know right now that I'm in the way of my recovery. So and, and whatever path I'm on that I need to clear things to more fully surrender my full out life and, and take the actions. Cause sometimes I have the answer and I don't like it. <laughs> and so I pretend that's not the answer or I'm waiting, you know, to try something else first, which is not, it's not conscious willfulness. You know, I, I appreciate that I can reset and re-surrender and know like, okay, this is what I need. So just, tailing back to, to question two relates to this and that my God is really a, a sense that I have. It's sort of, it's not a traditional or, or religious God, but it's, and I often use even the stars at night. I do like to go out and find a little different and ask God's grace and um, serenity and direction to, to, you know, flow down from there to me. And so it's that sort of thing. And, and as a child, we had a white light um, surround and protect us when we were in hiding, you know, from traumas and, um, it's now it's like it's a GPS. It's the same thing. I need to know the next step, but I also need to follow it, which is what really step three is here is to really take the direction. And, and so it's like, I need it sometimes broken down into like really the teensiest next step that I'm willing to take. And, and I don't understand sometimes why, when I know I have glaring areas, if I need a financial thing, I need to be dealing with now. And it's not that I think my way will work. So it's question one to two here. There's a gap for me between like, I know my way is not going to work. What I'm not clear on is why I'm in the way of what I believe when I'm in a calm and quiet moment that I believe my higher power is like my GPS going to guide me to grace, serenity and service and loving connection. Why I'm not immediately following every indication my higher power gives me, I don't understand that. And that's part of the work that this program gives me, you know, tools to explore and follow. But it's, yeah, there's a gap sometimes between, <laughs> what, you know, well, it's one, two, three, but I don't want to be doing the waltz. And I, I've done, you know, the other uh, work and heard enough from others to know that, that there is a more complete surrender and um so anyway i'm just going to acknowledge that it's a it's sometimes uh yes no yes no yes no so with that i'll pass thank you thank you jocelyn very very true anyone else I uh, just wanted to also say um, that the principle of step three is faith. So even sometimes when I don't feel like I can turn something over, 
I employed my faith that God will take it and I just need to give it over regardless of whether I, I, you know, I can still feel that fear and do it anyway. And um, a lot of times um, in abstinence, because you can't pick up, you have to fight for the right to be uncomfortable. And um, once you do it once or twice, you live to tell the tale. My God, I survived that. And that helps you. And that's why that's the one useful, one of the few useful tools of the past is my past in recovery. Oh my God, I've walked through some really crappy things and stayed abstinent. I live to tell the tale and, and I have faith that I can um, give it over to God and employ my faith and, that God will help me here and, uh, and abandon myself utterly based on that. Sometimes it's just kind of a wing and a prayer and, um, and I am relieved. So uh, Rihanna, could you put uh, it up a little bit if you can? maybe you can't I just there you go thank you okay um I'm gonna does anybody else want to answer about number three hi this is Sandy hey, Sandy operator hi thank you so much thank you so much for your share I just love going through step three you know there were uh, two things that kind of struck me on page 60 we read being convinced we were at step three is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God. Okay, now we okay. go over Can back. Can I copy this no. on um, notes when it's on the iPad? Someone's unmuted. Thank you. Then we go over to page 59. Um, step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. The word care really draws me in. In so many ways, my life is unmanageable and my whole life, not just my abstinence, a solid six years. It was a gift. I had done everything in my own on my own power to achieve that. Never could. It was steps one, two and three. But what draws me in, especially as I'm thinking about my emotional life, uh, maybe some family things going on, etc. You know, just real quick, I looked up the word care and it really rings true what my heart's desire is. The provision of what is necessary for the health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of someone or something. Serious attention or consideration applied to doing something correctly or to avoid damage or risk. These are things that I need help. I'm powerless over. And to think about the care of God, this is what he has for me. Because sometimes... You know, you hear the word God, you think maybe authoritarian, somebody wagging their finger, bad you, you didn't do it right. I don't see that anymore. Maybe as a child, I thought of God in that, that authoritative way. Now I see it as a relationship and a willingness on my part to say, I am willing. I am willing to be willing to surrender. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Anyone else for number three? All right, we can move on to number four. What would my life, my actions look like if I really abandoned myself utterly to God and relied on God without reservations? Terrifying. 
why would it have my actions in parentheses? Because we're not talking about, oh, I would live in Calabasas next to the Kardashians. And it's not really that. What, what would my actions look like? How am I going to act as a human being if I really utterly abandon myself to God and rely on God without reservation? So take a few minutes, think of that. And um, then we'll dive into that. Let's see. I don't know. Susan, I'd like to answer that if that's okay. Please do, Elaine. <laughs> this is Elaine, a compulsive overeater recovered. And um, because I'm recovered, and I can say that because the big book tells me I am. The big book tells me that I can recover. I'll never be cured, but I can recover. And the food doesn't call me. The food isn't running my life as long as I stay in the steps. I pray and meditate in the morning and at night, and I do my 10 steps, and I stay completely abstinent. I don't eat after dinner. And I know that's a food behavior that can just has destroyed me in the past, and, and I can't do that anymore. So what does my life look like? My life is calm. I used to talk a mile a minute. I don't do that anymore. I can't even do that anymore. <laughs> um, I'm thoughtful before I speak. Um, I don't try to control other people. I just let things be. I do what I can. So uh, what would my life look like, my actions? My actions are to be outside of myself. My actions are to be helpful to others. My actions are to be in the stream of life. I am so excited. I'm 71 years old and I couldn't be more excited about life. I'm studying languages. I'm constantly reading. I'm just so enthused going from one thing to another thing that's so amazing and interesting to me. And I feel totally creative. I'm unblocked. I don't have to listen to chatter anymore. I was constantly in ch chatter was always in my head. With that being gone, I can live my life with energy and joy. And which isn't to say I'm going to work the program perfectly. I've got to do my 10 steps once in a while, sometimes more than once a day. But um, it's a different life. And um, it's a real personality change. That's what happens. We go through literally a personality change and it's a beautiful, beautiful experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Elaine. That's wonderful. Who else would like to share? Jocelyn. I'm Jocelyn and um, I'm just sharing again because I didn't see a hand. I'm not trying to jump in twice, but I think for me, this is an ongoing issue. I'm very aware of that, that it's my surrender needs to be surrendering outcomes, every outcome. So I think it's interesting, you know, when it says, what would my life, my actions look like? Because if I'm really in surrender, that's all I know is the next best step that I should take, the next most loving support I can offer someone and living in the present moment without 
me having any conscious or subconscious or unconscious manipulation towards anything other than my sense of my higher power's greatest good. And I think there's a lot of relief in that when I'm in those moments. And this program has helped me to live very much more in the present in in a wonderful way that I'm grateful for. And I know there's more there for me to develop, but to be present and simply in connection and, and you know, loving service, whether that's in, in program, in my family relationships, at work when I can let go of things and just see what am I meant to contribute here and not have, you know, jealousies and frustrations come in. It's all about just being present and what's the next best thing. And I very rarely, uh, going to be that my higher power wants me to sit in resentment or jealousy or frustration or fear. So never is really the truth. Not very rarely, of course, that um, so it's really would just be my life would just be um, yeah, calm and and present and very much just the next, you know, moments ahead of me. So I think the difference is that I, I maintain subconscious motives and manipulations. And that's where my surrender is not complete yet. So thank you. Thank you, Jocelyn. My name is Stephanie, compulsive overeater bulimic. You're doing a great job. Yay! Um, what would my, you know, life and my actions look like if I really abandoned myself utterly to God and relied on God without reservation? There be there's that neutrality that we talk about, um, not being. Um, uh, disturbed by, you know, people, places, or things, and learning how to um, pause when I feel threatened and turn everything over to my higher power. And that's these actions, you know, in my physical recovery, just I had to tune out for a second to tune into my higher power and pay attention to my body. I had to do, I chose to do some yoga some exercises that flex my spine so I don't hurt myself while I'm sitting here you know for a, an extended period of time so I took the time for just a few moments while I was still tapped in and tuned in and turned on but to take care of myself in that way and that self-care really listening to what my higher powers will is for me means that I got to be in my body I've got to really listen to intuitively what's going on in me. And I, and by this entire abstinence and really being able to abandon myself to my higher power, it, it takes consistent, you know, presence. It takes consistent, you know, consistent efforting in that moving in that direction. And it's so empowering because I know it's not my, my, finite power it's the infinite power that i'm turning to so it's like you said what's that there's no risk here right it's it's risk free because um you know that's my god is my employer and i work for god right i i am you know i am fully um i'm employed by the best you know cosmic you know universal um power you know in the in the universe so right it's a win-win for me so that's um um, there's, there's no downside to it. So, except I did a couple down dogs. That's about it. That, that's all I got to share. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Thank you, Stephanie. Anyone else want to, even if they're not there, what would your life or your actions look like? 
So you don't have to be there yet. I still want to hear what, what it would look like to rely on God without reservation. And if you don't think that's positive, possible, why? I believe I'd be not living in my ego so much and letting my ego run me, which doesn't do well. But to be honest, the biggest thing is to be honest and realize that it isn't God, that it's my ego and being willing to admit it to like I am right now. It is freeing. Like somebody said about surrendering the outcomes to God, you know, wow. It's foreign, but you know something? It can, it will become, I choose to make that part of my life today. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. I'm Maureen, a compulsive overeater. Hi, Maureen. And you know what I think about when I look at number four and also what you just said about, and what if, you know, you're not really there. I think my challenge with this is knowing what God's will is for me. And that's really related to letting go of my character defects because so often without realizing it, I'm being motivated by people pleasing or by fear. You know, I will tend to keep things the same and I will seek God's will. Like, okay, in this situation that I'm in right now, what is your will for me, God? Rather than the really big question, which is, should I even be in this situation? You know, so, um, and I know recently meditation has been really helping me with that. Um, there've been times recently where I've, I've never had this happen before, where I go into a period of meditation thinking this is the next indicated thing. This is what it is. You know, I've done my writing, I've done my praying, blah, blah, blah. this is what I'm going to do. And then I meditate and I come out just knowing that that wasn't the plan at all. And just really sure. Oh, okay. I get to go this way now. And I'm hoping that that happens more because then I think, my life will be more and my actions will be more what God's will is for me. And when I was thinking about my relationship with my higher power, I think a lot of it as my, my higher power is my guide, a powerful, loving, wise guide. And I am an adventurer, almost like when you go out on some kind of excursion and you have this person who knows this is the way the safe, this is the safe way to do it. This is where we're going. Turn here, step here, you know, and for me, I think, I think of the adventure part because I've spent so much of my life in this disease and this disease always made me hide and isolate and, you know, not really be, I think a lot of times when I turn my will and my life over to God, I end up doing things I would never do left to my own devices or in my little bubble of my disease. So everything becomes an adventure because I do think that who I'm meant to be is really so different than the way I spent so much of my life in my disease. So, thanks. Thank you, Maureen. Hi, I'm Diane, a recovering compulsive overeater. Hi. Oh, wow, such good shares. You know, I'm just getting so much more depth than I had when you first asked that question, you know, it's a thank you guys for sharing all those things. And um, I wrote down a lot of those things for myself too, but I just thought patient, non-judgmental, balanced, because right now I'm um, 
really trying to take a look at self-care and what that looks like for me, because I can get busy off here doing this or that or, you know, and all good things. But um, so those I would be balanced. I think that's it. Thanks. Thank you, Diane. Anyone else? I'm Eileen, compulsive overeater vomiter. Um, I, I just have to, you know, kind of key into exactly what Diane said, you know, more balance and the shoulds would be out of my head. You know, that should committee, you know, that at the end of the day goes, what did you get done today? You know, where's your list? How can you have accomplished anything? What's, you know, did you clean, did you do that? Blah, blah, you know, and so to be rid of that judgmental and just to be and have balance, you know, that's, that was beautifully said and, and very simple, you know, it really is simple. Um, and I can get caught up in, you know, since we have all these zoom meetings, which is awesome and amazing for my recovery. Cause where I live, there are no OA meetings. So I'm really grateful for the zoom. Um, I can get, you know, like, really caught up in doing, you know, five meetings in a workshop and, you know, and it's like, okay, I get to sit with what I'm learning and listen to God and just go within and have some peace. And it's okay to not be, I wouldn't be a human doing, I would be a human being because I would be more, you know, listening to what my higher power has wants for me. And that is gentleness and balance. So thank you. Thank you, Eileen. And um, I, I forgot that I did want to share this, that um, because us alcoholic type folk um, were so black and white and the pendulum swings, balance is really hard for us. And I heard someone talk about that and say, you know, when you have faith in your higher power, whether it's the father, child, the agent, principal, employee, employee, whatever it is, it's, it's not balance, but it's harmony. So if we as, as alcoholic compulsive overeater people, we might never have what we call balance, but we can have harmony. So that's my two cents about that. And it, that helps me because, you know, I'm undoing decades of this all this black and white thinking. And so, you know, thinking I'll never get the balance. I'll never get the balance. Well, I can have harmony with my higher power and uh, I'll take that. So thanks. Anyone else? All right, well, if no one has any more um, sharing about that, uh, I can open it up for any questions you have um, for the next few minutes. And then after that, we can close, get on with our day. This is Luann, I, I have a question. 
So um, I've been in program for four years and um, I've had a relationship with my higher power, but it's, it's shifting. Um, so uh, my, my question is the, the people who have it are in this program, you know, Susan, you can answer it or anybody else who has had long term, long term abstinence um, is what did, what did, what did, the, what did it look like for you when your relationship with your higher power started shifting? Because, um, uh, and, and it, it, yeah, how did it look? Because I, I, I need to make some connections on, on this just to get a better understanding what I'm going through. So, thank you. Um, I'll take it, and then I want to open it on other people to to chime in as well. Um, my my, like I said, my higher power has also evolved, um, just because at certain points in our lives, I think we need different things, and um, I, mine is sort of like a parental unit and also like the creator. So, um, because I think a parental thing creates as well. Um, and I didn't have, you know, fantastic parenting. Um, and my higher power is the kind of loving, nurturing um, parent that I never had um, and uh, non-judgmental and, and all that. And I noticed once that um, I, my higher power evolved and I, again, made the decision to turn my will in my life over to this um, evolving uh, higher power, I felt serenity, and I felt a partnership. And I felt empowered, and not like empowered, like, oh, I can do anything. I felt that calmness and that serenity that were, were promised. And that does remind me that um, on the top of page 63, they talk about the promise of step three. And um, when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer being all powerful. He provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Now, it's been said that that happens. But like I said, when you're at step three, a lot of times you're not, you're not there yet. You still have a lot of work. So even if that step three promise hasn't happened, keep going because it will. And I think as your higher power evolves, um, you will feel that, that um, you do his work well, or your higher powers work. And there is that sanity and the serenity that comes with that. You're calmer. And that's just my two cents. Anybody else want to chime in? I'm Natalie, compulsive overeater. Uh, hi, and uh, can I ask for whoever just asked a question to repeat their question? Because I think I heard it, but I want to make sure I'm answering the question they asked. Sure, thanks. Uh, this is Luann, compulsive overeater. Uh, I'm in, uh, my higher power is in this process. I, I'm in a process with my higher power of of it getting pruned and trimmed and reshaped. And there's a space of uncomfortableness right now. And, um, and trying to uh, reshape it to a different understanding of what I had for the last four years. So I am 
wanting to hear experience, strength, and hope for people who have had long-term recovery and had this shift uh, in their relationship with their higher power and what that looked like and how that felt and um, just to get some insight. Thanks, Luann. That's really helpful for me. Um, what you, When you were talking, I remember I, I used to follow a spiritual path and uh, we would listen to talks by various um, of the religious persons in the in the spiritual path and one day the guy was giving a talk and he was talking about how one of the prayers in the, in the movement was, uh, please God chisel thou my life, chisel thou my life to your design. And he said, you know, we pray that. And then people, you know, God chisels a little piece of, of us off and we go, well, I didn't mean that part, God. Right. <laughs> like, so um, I always thought that was pretty good because that always was my experience of God is like, well, please, God, let me follow you. I've always had a really deep connection to the idea of a creator. And then I'd be like, but, but, oh no, but not, not that, not that. Um, for me, the experience has been after about uh, eight months in program and I hadn't even gotten through all the steps yet. I had a very profound spiritual awakening and where for me, God has become everything. And, and I mean that literally, like if I'm in the food, that's God as well. And some people will find that heretical because some people will say, well, it's not God's will for me to be in the food. I don't know what God's will for me is. And all I can do is try to follow it the best I can. And that means for me trying to get uh, quiet, but I'm not, but God didn't create me as someone who's generally quiet. So it's also like, how can I pay attention to God and honor who I am as an expression in the world of God? So, um, so God's become everything. And, and I, I really mean that literally God's trees and flowers and the things I don't like on this planet is God. And, uh, and I don't like the way things go a lot of times. And that is also God to me. And for me, it's always, I have, reminding myself, what do I think? What do I want? And how is that not in alignment with reality? What's really happening? So that's been my experience of it. It's just a constantly reminding myself, where do I think it should be different? And then what's reality? And how can I bring myself back to the reality? And even if I don't like it, like not approving, I might have want to take steps to, to go against it. And maybe that's right for me, but just accepting this is reality. This is what's happening now and not denying because my disease is all about denying. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's been my experience. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jocelyn. Hi, still Jocelyn, still a compulsive reader. <laughs> Hopefully I will never forget that actually, because this program is about tools for living. And I think for me, this answer of what it means when I'm aware of and, and responding to my higher powers uh, direction and, and will is, um, is the, just as changes I've noticed, like I don't actually enjoy feeling resentment and having righteous anger and convincing people and having the little chatter about it. And isn't that horrible? And isn't that wrong? It's like, 
it just doesn't feel good, you know, and, and I, and that's the real growth in terms of just my spiritual awareness that I'm meant to be present and moving forward and to, to let go of things. So I, I'm grateful when I don't like, doesn't feel good something, A, that I'm having feelings like, Hey, that's so much better than me. I was totally disconnected from my place in the world. And so now I, I can say, oh, that's anger or resentment, frustration, or I can say, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I know it's something that's out of sorts and I can, you know, have an outreach call or, or write about it or something. But it's, it's very often, it's just, this doesn't feel good. These old patterns that, you know, were my safe choices at the time to either be shut down in isolation and have no feelings and have a wall entirely between me and the world because there was no trust or love in the world or to put on a false step face. It's like, nope, you know what? I know also through my higher power how to say no as a healthy, loving choice that respects me and other people. And to, again, realize that if something's out of sorts, that's an opportunity for me to work on it with my higher power. And um, yeah, I just don't have joy in, in um, righteous anger. And I know um, you know, or, or resentments and, and, um, I have them still, I just don't have the joy in them. And I know that I can work through that. And that's a, just a shift that, um, helps me again to be present and move forward. So that's been a shift. Thank you, Jocelyn. Anyone else questions, comments, even anything you want to share about pitches regarding step three. All right. Well, I think Eileen's all... hand is up. Eileen, did oh, you want to share mean, something or is your hand not supposed to be up? No, that was that was in the very beginning. I raised my hand because I didn't know that um, oh, Susan okay. could see the hands. <laughs> but thank you. Great, great input, Susan. You've really, um, this is really good. You did a great job. And everybody's oh, shares are really, everyone. really helpful. And yeah, everyone's doing a great job. This is what been wonderful so thank you i appreciate it great i'm so glad thank you all for being here i've really really enjoyed this um keep coming back and i can't wait till we have our next one on step four um put out by channel islands intergroup please keep looking at our web page and um Thank you so much for letting me do this. It's been an honor and a privilege and together we get better. All right. So after a brief moment of silence, please join me in the third step prayer. God. 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 I offer myself to thee. To, to build, build me and to be with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self. That I better, better do thy will. Take away my difficulties. That victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. Thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Amen. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Really, really worth it. We're so worth it. Thank you all.